Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless, and I got two big stories this week. Unfortunately, a climber fell this week, a, a retired gentleman doing volunteer work at a um, an amateur site. And I also have a story about AT&T offering $60,000 for any news on a suspicious death of one of their techs at a site. But first, let me get into my sponsors. Tower Tracker Pro, for all your closeout needs, they handle closeout packages all in an app to make your tower site technicians go through it step by step this way they can efficiently do the closeout package tower tracker pro you can find their links in my blog wade for wireless w-a-d-e the number four wireless also tower safety and instruction they can be found at towersafety.com they offer all your standard training and rescue for tower workers. They also offer safety CPR training, but they also, what sets them apart is they offer drone training, professional drone training to help you understand the rules of professional drone usage at a tower site. Also, I have the wireless deployment handbook. That's right, the wireless deployment handbook for end-to-end wireless deployment steps and everything you need to know for the handoffs for CRAN, small cells, and DAS. And also, my new book's coming out soon where I'm going to get more into the planning and the engineering side and a lot of the notes that I put out in blogs. I'm putting all that together in a book for you. I want to put a shout-out to the Hubble Foundation, H-U-B-B-L-E Foundation, HubbleFoundation.org. They help the fallen families of the tower climbers, tower climbers that are injured and, and that fall and basically, you know, injured in fatalities at the tower site. They help the families get by. They help them this, with the financial struggles, and they also help them with any counseling they might need that, that they can, you know, any way they can support. That's what Hubble Foundation does. Another great foundation for the fallen families of the tower climbers that offers really a lot of financial support in their time of need and quickly, quick turnaround, is the Tower Family Foundation towerfamilyfoundation.org. Both these organizations could use a donation to help these families of the tower workers. They both do a lot of good. They both are very quick to respond and they help the families, even though a lot of the time the families don't know about them. So if you're in a tower climbing business, make sure your family knows about these two foundations. If you have the money, why don't you support them? All right, let's get on to the stories. The first story, the tower climber that fell in Mount Lemmon out in Arizona He was a retired gentleman, and it's very sad, but 73-year-old Milt Jensen fell 50 foot from an amateur tower while doing some work there, and he was volunteering work, and I'm guessing for a friend. He was a ham operator. Wireless Estimator did a good story on it. You can go to my link at wadeforwireless.com, but in my story, I have the Wireless Estimator link. They talk about, you know, he's a hamster and a DXer, and uh, when I say hamster, what a hamster is, it's an amateur ham, uh, an amateur ham radio operator. I know a lot of hamsters, and it's cool because they just have such a love for radio, a love for communication. They get into how far they can go, depending upon the bands they're in and what they're doing. You know, they hop off clouds and everything else to try to get farther. And there's a whole contest out there for amateur ham radio operators. It's pretty cool. And I think he can still get certified for all that. They used to have several ham operator certifications. Hey, when I was coming up through the business, I had to have an FCC uh, certification to work on radios. And back then they had, I think they had like FCC level one, level two, and then they had the FCC general radio telephone. Then they had the neighbor certification. But anyway, the guy was a hamster. I just can't, it's very sad. And he was just out helping somebody out and this happens. Very, very sad. Working with the amateurs. So 
Let's get on to the reward that AT&T is offering for one of their technicians that was suspiciously, we, we assume he was murdered. We don't know. He, he has a suspicious death at a site in Waco, Texas. And his name was Kenneth Cleveland, Kenneth Wayne Cleveland. And he leaves behind five daughters, which is very sad. I mean, a family. It's just very sad. I have all the links in there. If you want to learn more about it, AT&T is offering $60,000 reward for information leading to the arrest. And if you know anything, contact the Waco police at 254-750-7589. Again, the Waco police at 254-750-7589. I have the links for the official press release and all the stories. It's very sad. A TV station, you know, interviewed his family. It was, it's very sad. I mean, the guy was 61 years old and I... uh, he was working at a site. We don't know what happened. I don't have information on the site, but I just wanted you guys to know that if, if you do know anything about this, about anything that happened to a, an AT&T tech or to Ken out at this site, please, please, please call the Waco police. And again, that number is 254-750-7589. Give them a call. Do what you can. It's very important that we support the family. The reason I'm reaching out to you guys is because you guys are at the tower sites. Now, what else can we learn from this? Here's what I say we learn. Pay attention to your surroundings. I used to get called out at night a lot. I always worked alone, or not always, but so often I worked alone at tower sites. Back when I was in paging or even these cell site techs or all these guys, a lot of people, I mean, let's face it, companies aren't going to pay two guys to go to a site and one guy to stand around while the other guy does all the work. They usually don't do that. There are exceptions. There's times you need two guys. Sometimes you go out for training or take somebody with you. But the reality is most people work alone at a site. Tower work should be different. You should always have someone with you. You should always have a guy on the ground, guy in the tower, two guys, someone to call for help if something happens. That is very important because, well, you know why. For tower work, it's just safety. But let's get back to working alone at a site. I'll tell you a couple stories. This is why I say pay attention. One time in Somerdale, Pennsylvania, I was doing work and I was alone, obviously. I got called out, I don't know, one, two in the morning. Of course, I show up at the tower site. Oh, there's like 20 guys at the site, all just partying and drinking. And I, I'm not going to lie to you, I was a little nervous, but they were right by the gate where I go in. And of course, they wonder what I'm doing there. Now, I'm in a white truck with, I think it was Metrocall, had Metrocall on the side. And uh, I was going into the site. And I was opening up the, the gate to the compound. Of course, they all come up. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what's in there. They want to know if they can come in now. This is me. I was paranoid. 20 guys drinking. I said, listen, fellas, I'm doing work for the state police. You're not allowed to see the radios. I'm sorry. I got to lock the gate behind me. So I drove my truck in, locked the gate behind me. And they were friendly. You know, they weren't belligerent or anything. But as soon as I said state police, they all perked up. And I locked the gate. And then I went into the next gate, opened that gate, locked that gate, because like I said, it's 20 guys. I don't know what they're going to do. And I go into the shelter, which was only like, a I don't know, it was 10 by 12, 10 by 14 shelter. And I came back out, they were all gone. So, and I did, I lied. I wasn't working on the state police radios. I just figured I had to do something to get them out of there. And I sure as hell didn't want 20 guys in my sight. You know what I mean? 20 drunk guys. What's this do? What's that do? I'm not saying that would be bad, but if they start pulling plugs or something, what am I going to do? It's 20 guys. Anyway, I'm just making a point here. I know I'm dragging on my story. You just have to be aware and be cautious. You have to do whatever you can out there. These were probably great guys, right? They're having a good time. They're partying up at a mountaintop. 
but I see cars come up all the time late at night. I get uber paranoid. Now, do I always lock the outer gate? No. In fact, I hardly ever lock the outer gate. I usually lock the inner gate. But let me tell you something. When you're at a mountain site, you just have to be smart. You're alone. There's no one around. But it's no different than when you're in a city site. And most of you guys know they usually don't put the tower sites in the nicest parts of the city. I mean, it'd be great if they were all like, uh, you know, like on Wall Street at Manhattan, you know, in the financial district. But the reality is they're not. They're usually in the crappiest part of town because the land's cheap, the site's cheap, and you just have to be really smart, especially if you get called there at night. I can tell you two stories. I had one buddy that was in a city site at night, locked his truck up, locked himself in the shelter, and he was just paranoid. He said guys were pounding on the shelter trying to get in. He didn't know what to do. Called the police. When the cops came, he came out and he went home. <laughs> he just laughed. He said, screw this. It isn't worth it. I know another story. Guy working in Brooklyn. Now, this wasn't a night story, but the guy that owned the building top, he was doing rooftop work. And actually, I think it was for AT&T. I could be wrong. But he was doing rooftop work. And... uh the guy told him, he said, listen, this is my building. I'm going to give you a warning. Start at seven. And he says, quit by four. He said, otherwise, you're going to have a lot of problems. And the guy said he did exactly what he said. And he said at four o'clock, he could tell, you know, it's just like all trouble rolled in. That's when people came in and just started causing trouble. Every morning they get there, there would be beer cans, broken glass, bottles everywhere. And they were uber paranoid. The other thing is when you're working in, in sites like that, Cars get towed all the time. Now, I'm uber paranoid. I was always willing to pay the extra money. Of course, I would expense it to, to park somewhere legitimate. It, you just you can't take chances. It's tempting. And I've gotten tickets. Don't get me wrong. I let meters run out and all that. But I know so many people. They park somewhere shady. Their windows get busted. They come out. You know, the windows are busted. Everything's gone from the inside. And I had that happen because one time a truck broke down on a mountain. I came back the next day, windows busted out. They took everything they could take. But when you're in these city sites, like you don't know who's against you because the city could tow your car. Happens all the time. I had another buddy. Sure enough, he thought he'd be in there for 10 or 15 minutes. Let me tell you something. You can't get by security in 10 minutes in most of these buildings. Most of these buildings, you have to go to security. You have to get a key. You have to get access, blah, blah, blah. You know the route. It takes forever. There is no such thing as a 10-minute job in any city that I am aware of. So he came out, truck's gone. Was it stolen? Was it towed? Got his, now, luckily, back then, cell phones were just coming up, and he did. He had a bag phone or something like that. He, he, was trying, he called the city. I had to make like 20 calls to figure out where his truck was. There was no sign. It was just gone. But eventually, they told him you know, it was towed somewhere. They asked him what street he was on. He called the police. Police said, what street are you on? He told him what street. They said, your car was probably towed. Go to this lot. So he had to walk like 20 or 30 blocks, which was probably about two or three miles where he was. I think it was in Philadelphia. He had to go to the lot. And let me tell you, Philadelphia, you don't want to get towed in Philadelphia. He had to go to the lot. Of course, he had to pay cash. So then he had to find out where the nearest bank was. And I think we did have Mac machines back then. So he had to go to a Mac machine, Mac money access card, you know, the money machines. So he had to go back. He had to get like $300 out of his account, which he was lucky to have it in, right? $300 to come back to get his car out. And I don't understand how cities have no money when they soak people like that all the time. You know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry, getting off track. I'm just making a point here. Be smart, pay attention, and be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. If you're going to park somewhere, look for the tollway zone. Be aware of what time you got to feed the meter. You don't want to boot in your car or your truck or whatever. You know, it's just 
bad news. And they almost always, well, I don't know how it is today. Back then, they always wanted cash. Now, I know I'm way off the point. I went way over in my story here. And I tried to make light of a horrible situation. The reality is we lost a 61-year-old man, an AT&T technician who worked for AT&T for a long, long time. Apparently, you know, he was loved by many. His daughters are just devastated. We're talking about a devastated family. Now, while the 60000 is nowhere near the 250000 that AT&T offered for information on the fiber cut they had a few years ago or a year ago, it's still important to note that AT&T is doing something to try to find what happened to this guy. Waco police need all the help they can get. Give them a call at 254-750-7589 if you have information on what happened. The more help we can get, the better we can do. Let's band together. It's a communications industry. Spread the word. Let everybody know. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya.